the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Thursday, April 20th, 2023. I am Seth Leaps, and our phone number is 602-508-0960, 602-5080-916. That's your barrier to entry, David Dahl. Welcome back. Making it through the week so far in fine fettle. You doing all right? You liking it back there? Up there? In front there? I don't know oh, if yes. you're in front or you're in back. I can't tell. You're in front of me. We're split. Uh, we're divided by two. I, I think these are bulletproof panes of glasses. That's so I don't shoot you or you don't shoot shoot me. <laughs> I think they're a little worried about me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I think one of the most basic and serious tasks in public policy is the connection of dots. We know this in national security intelligence. We know it in basic everyday life, like what happens if you don't brush your teeth or stop at red lights. And as we learned from Winston Churchill, the chief task of the political scientist is to see things as they truly are. And yet when it comes to a day like today, I kind of sit here in amazement. The date mentioned, April 20th, a.k.a. 420, is and has been since the 1970s a marijuana user's holiday and festival, a cherivery, if you will. And the funny or ironic thing about this is that the more potent and dangerous marijuana became, the more 420 became celebrated, as if the more shark attacks take place, the more people wanted to swim in the ocean, as if we were recreating some kind of M. Night Shyamalan movie like The Happening. Did you ever see that? Where an odd neurotoxin catalyzed people to otherwise inexplicably engage in mass self-harm. It's a chilling movie, and you wonder about that here today. We declaim against childhood mental health problems. We declaim against lower academic outcomes. We declaim against cigarettes and COVID because they eat our lungs. We declaim against inebriated driving. We talk about a lack of enough mental health resources. We declaim against homelessness caused and exacerbated by drug use, and yet We try and make a holiday and festival and celebration of a drug that dilates all of the foregoing and more. In today's Arizona Republic, for example, we have a puff piece on the holiday, no pun intended, and dealers of marijuana, euphemistically now called dispensers because they run dispensaries. 800 pounds of it will be sold in Arizona today, according to the article. Consider that. Quote, it's a huge traffic day, close quote, said a spokesman for one of the dispensaries. Interesting, interesting use of that word traffic. It's a huge traffic day. In states that have experience with legalizing marijuana for recreational use, actual traffic accidents and fatal accidents involving the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana have skyrocketed. In Colorado, for but one example, fatal car crashes involving marijuana have increased 60 percent since legalization there. I'm old enough to recall when we were opposed to making drunk driving easier. 
having become serious about drunk driving, we now have drugged driving. For about three years, starting oh, around this time in 2020, we seemed to care a whole lot about our lungs, didn't we? We didn't try to spread COVID. We tried to curtail it and do everything we possibly could, even the nonsensical, to protect our lungs. What of our brains? What is most interesting to me is those who were most ardent and conscientious of mitigating COVID are the most blithe about tetrahydrocannabinol, psychoactive ingredient in marijuana. I submit it is a dangerous and worrisome culture that cares more about lungs than brains. And yet, I show you the times. I know it's not popular, but if one goes to the serious and scientific peer-reviewed articles at the National Library of Medicine, hosted by the National Institutes in Health, and you type in a search for scientific articles on marijuana and the brain, you will get back nearly 3,000 studies over the past few years. Here's the opening to one of the more recent ones from earlier this month. Quote, cannabis use, cannabis is a euphemism for marijuana. Cannabis use is associated with increased severity of psychotic symptoms and the risk of acute agitation and aggressive behavior in inpatient and outpatient settings, close quote. Now to a search on marijuana use in teens or adolescents, and you will see study after study on the link between psychosis, youth psychosis, and marijuana. I could bore or maybe surprise you with study after study that states things like that. Or you could talk to any emergency room or emergency department physician or psychiatrist who, if honest, will tell you much the same thing. And yet we make this a laughing matter or a celebration or a cause celeb in our major newspapers today. Here's the difficulty of the thing. A lot of we adults don't realize that today's marijuana is practically an entirely different drug than what we knew of growing up. The average amount of THC, the psychoactive ingredient, in the 1960s and 1970s, even into the early 1980s, was about 2 to 4%. It has increased today by over 275%. And if you go to any marijuana dispensary, you will see products with up to 90% THC. So when we try to talk about marijuana to adults, they may think it is no big deal as they saw and remember it from their youth. But given today's products in relation to that of yesteryear, it's like comparing drinking a beer, a near, uh, not a near beer, it's like drinking low alcohol content beer on a full stomach to drinking four shots of Jack Daniels on an empty one at a minimum. It's just not the same drug. We are at a curious as well as critical moment in our country. Just when we are spending more than ever on early childhood education, and many are arguing for even more spending, just when we are debating the intellectual and motivational needs of our present and future workforce, just as we are concerned about unemployment numbers that are too high, especially in the youth and young adult population, not to mention a drugged out non-interested in working army of men who would rather take government benefits and play video games than work. Just as we are unveiling a new experiment on universal health care coverage, and just as we are condemning other products deemed unhealthy like sugars or trans fats, we are at the same exact time moving in fact and opinion toward more and more marijuana normalization and legalization. We are spending money and political capital 
on strengthening the health, education, and productivity of our populace, yet society believes that it's appropriate to push for greater availability of a drug that hinders and negatively affects dramatically those very self-same goals. Over the past several years, as public opinion has moved toward greater acceptance of marijuana, an increasing body of scientific evidence has documented the multiple adverse effects, as I had mentioned. These serious health issues are detailed anywhere and everywhere anyone wants to look. Here's the New England Journal of Medicine. Effects of short-term use, impaired short-term memory, impaired motor coordination, altered judgment. In high doses, paranoia and psychosis. Effects of long-term or heavy use, addiction, altered brain development, poor educational outcomes, cognitive impairment, diminished life satisfaction and achievement, if inhaled, symptoms of chronic bronchitis, and increased risk of chronic psychosis disorders, including schizophrenia in persons with predisposition to such disorders. Whether we want to take this medical research seriously or not is a question we'll have to grapple with, obviously, but the last thing it seems to me we should be doing is to be celebrating the use of such a potentially and actively harmful product given all our other conscientiousness about public health, especially with our youth. I urge we remember that to our founders, to the founders, the whole purpose of civil and Republican small-R government was not only to quote-unquote promote the general welfare, as it states in the U.S. Constitution, but also to be able to make, quote, laws most wholesome and necessary for the public good, close quote, as was the very first indictment against King George who would not allow us to do so in the Declaration of Independence. Laws most wholesome and necessary for the public good. Marijuana use, especially among our youth, those celebrating 420 the most, ironically, nullifies every effort of ours to educate our workforce, keep our children in school, have them learn and achieve, and it lowers their mental health outcomes. And in an age where we're all supposed to support less government taxes and spending, the very things that create the need for higher taxes and more government spending. In the end, these celebrations are not tributes to libertarianism. They are tributes to insanity. Spending increases with additional needs for law enforcement, which every state that has legalized marijuana now tells us they need. And it, in, and it increases with more and more chronic homelessness where drug use is rampant. If you want a model or tribune of what more of this can be, if you've been to the famous 16th Street Outdoor Mall in Denver, say 10 years ago, it's not the same place today, and the city of Denver is now trying to find the money to triple the police presence there. In some, I don't know how we cheer and celebrate and laugh at a population more and more addicted to dangerous substances with positive and heroic puff pieces, art, puff piece articles about those who get rich off more truancy, more dropouts, more suspensions, more workplace accidents, more hospitalizations, more mental health problems, more traffic accidents and fatalities, and more crime. And every serious study on marijuana that has come out in recent years substantiates each, each and every one of those outcomes and problems. But we aren't a serious society anymore. And maybe at the end of the day, that's the real problem. I'm Seth Liebson, 602 508
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Congresswoman Debbie Lesko will be joining us uh, in the next segment, I believe. I wanted to point this out, too, before I get to your calls. Um, especially, It's funny. I don't know how, how, many, how much of this you heard on other, on other talk shows. I, I'm guilty of this, too. I did a little bit of it with David Schweikert yesterday. How much we've talked about. Uh, on 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 the annual tax day, how much we've talked about tax policy in this country. I, I know we didn't do an April 15th as we usually do, but we certainly did an April 18th because of, of, of the weekend. And there used to be a lot of talk about that. And I remember the Wall Street Journal editorial page used to print the full story years ago. They used to, on April 15th, pull the, print the full story of... Um, of uh short story of Kurt Vonnegut's Harrison Bergeron, which was kind of interesting. I don't know why they stopped doing that. Maybe the people didn't get the irony of it. I don't know. But uh, as E.J. Antoni writes in the New York Post, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has laid out the devastating results of runaway government spending on the middle class and why it's so important to claw back lost ground for the average Americans who received a pay cut for 24 consecutive months as inflation has persisted. And that's the other side of this we need to talk about. The average American family has lost the equivalent of more than $7,000 a year in annual income. That would be a year since Joe Biden has become president. He has spent trillions of dollars that we don't have and still speaks of raising taxes higher and higher. If you haven't seen the video of our friend Steve Moore at the press conference in Washington, D.C. Uh, the day before yesterday, group of millionaires for higher taxes were giving a press conference. He was asking which one of them, if any of them, would sign his organization's pledge to donate 90 percent of their income to taxes. And it is hilarious. None of them would do it. None of them would do it. You can see the video. You can do it on Twitter. You can search for it. I think Molly Hemingway had a um, had a highlight of it. Um, you can get it from Steve Moore's feed as well. The, uh, the 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 amazing thing about people who want everyone else to pay for the policies that they one of the spokesmen. I don't know if you saw this. One of the spokesmen was on Neil Cavuto's show, and he and and Neil Cavuto Neil Cavuto asked him if there was one program. He could see us cutting our spending on so that we wouldn't have to raise taxes. Just one program. And this millionaire, multimillionaire said, well, it's not for me to decide what our spending priorities are. That's the government's. Well, then why, 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 does, why, why is it for him to decide then tax policy? That's just completely nonsensical. All right. Going to your calls. Daniel is in Goodyear. Hello, Daniel. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Seth. How about yourself? Oh, it's a good day. It's a good day. It is. It is a good day. So I just wanted to offer a different perspective to your opening monologue. I've been using cannabis since I was 12 years old. I'm 46, almost 47 now. Uh, in my earlier days, I was using it to escape, to stay numb, um, but it was, it was predicated on my alcohol abuse. I started drinking when I was 12 and using cannabis when I was 12, and I used it heavily to stay medicated and numb to the pain and, and um, you know, adolescence and, and parents' divorce and, and girls hurting me and, and whatever else. 
But as I got into my late teens and early 20s, I found that I could work out. I was always an athlete, always in the gym, training and expecting more from myself physically. I could run on a treadmill, but I would use cannabis to separate my mind from the physical pain that would justify not taking another step. I liken it to an artificial zone. Michael Jordan can get in a zone without any help. Well, some of us need help. I'm very conservative. I'm, 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 I pay attention. I, I listen. I read. Um, I come to my own conclusions. How, how old are you now, about, Daniel, can I ask you? I'm 46. Do you have children? I do. She's sitting right next to me. Say hi, China Grace. Hi. Hi. From, would you, would you, recommend, would you recommend that she use it as well the way you did at age 12? Um, I would not. Why not? But Why not? Um, because I want to see how far she can get before she needs help. And how long um, did you go from age 12? I'm just trying to understand the trajectory of the of the story here. How long did you go from age 12 to today without ever using it? Or was it a constant uh, use? Was it pretty much a constant uh, use? Pretty, pretty much a constant so use. So you don't really know now, the alternative then, do you? No, I, I do. Okay. Oh, I you do. do. Okay. Now, let, let me let me explain one of the biggest differences, and, and I, I would like to be clear about this. When you talk about the experts and the studies that have been performed over the years, um, we just got through a pandemic where the CDC and the number one doctor in the country, we're all supposed to be listening to him, and he's wrong. Right. But what about when every study of, says the same thing? I would also argue that a lot of the experts never used the way that a lot of us have used. There's, I right, because that's not a peer-reviewed scientific study. That's not how you do a peer-reviewed scientific study. Do, the, the person do you, doing the experiment doesn't doesn't engage in it him or herself. But are you familiar with Dr. Raphael McCallum, no. an Israeli scientist? Yes, who, yes, who, uh, was yes, a, yes, yes. And do, do you know what he was able to discover? Yeah, I, I do know, and I also know the circumstances under which that was done, that study that study was done, but I also know the overwhelming number of other studies. Let's not do the studies piece for a moment, Daniel, because okay, uh, sure. I, you know, I, I just know I'll overwhelm you with them. Let me ask you how long of a period you went without using from age 12 to now. Well, I've done years at a time. Years at a time without? But, yes. And it yes, was better I can, with? I can put, well, here's the thing. I have a hard time um, maintaining focus. For me, a little goes a long way. It increases my, uh, my ability to focus. It decreases the uh, likelihood of there being distractions. And I'm able to knock out task after task after task. Would you use it before um, driving? Absolutely. You would use marijuana before driving? Absolutely. Okay. And, and I've been, I, I mean, I, I, would, I would love to sit down with you and, and have a discussion if we could schedule an appointment because you would be shocked. Yeah. At the the the, uh, the frequency of, uh, of of the use um, and, and how I'm I, able I, to. I, I am shocked at the frequency of the use. I'm also shocked you would use it before driving. All right. Thank you, Daniel. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It is a delight and privilege, as I promised, bringing back Congresswoman Debbie Lesko onto the show, Arizona's 8th Congressional District. She is also, blessedly, a member on the newly formed Select uh, Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. Congresswoman Lesko, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Steph? I'm doing just fine. I'm doing just fine. I always, Whenever I talk to, to elected officials uh, in Congress or the Senate and I ask how they're doing, they always say great. And it's, I, 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 love that you, <laughs> I love that they are. I love that you say that. But my gosh, the challenges that are thrown your way and the kinds of stuff you have to deal with and the kind of baloney, I wish I could use a different word, you have to put up with in these hearings. I, I just don't know how you keep that great attitude, but I love that you have it. I love that you have it. Well, Debbie. it's because Republicans are finally in control, at least yeah. of one chamber. Yeah. And so I had to deal with Pelosi for the last four years. <laughs> so right. compared to that, I'm great. <laughs> That's right. Well, while we're there, before I get to your uh, your comments at the uh, subcommittee on the coronavirus, uh, which we'll do in a moment, talk to us about uh, the tweet you put out. Yeah, we've 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 done a lot even in the first hundred days uh, of our majority, right? Oh, my gosh, we have. We're just, I have so many committee hearings. I mean, that alone, I think one day we had 42 committee hearings, oh uh, Republicans in general, yeah. in, in one day. But uh, just the other day, I had four of them in one day. And so, yeah, we're getting things done. But, yes, we've uh, passed, one of the bills that we passed out of the House was to defund uh, the 87,000 IRS agents that Biden and the Democrats put forward. We also reopened the Capitol to the people. That's that's the first thing we did. And then we ended the proxy voting that was going on. Um, We also passed bills that would prohibit uh, the uh, strategic petroleum reserve uh, oil from being sold to communist China. Um, we nullified the Washington, D.C. City Council's soft on crime bill that, that lessens punishments for criminals. We protected children born alive by requiring that they get medical attention. Yep. Um, we've ended the COVID-19 national emergency, which Biden actually signed into law. That was Paul Gosar's bill. Uh And uh, today we passed um, a bill that would prohibit men from uh, being in women and girls sports. We passed the H.R. 1, which was which will reduce gasoline prices and energy prices for Americans. And we also passed a Parents' Bill of Rights, which will guarantee that parents have knowledge of what's going on in their kids' schools. See, I'm so, so glad. I'm, yeah, no, I am so glad I could have you on to just even to recite those things, because these are not things that either will get reported or reported accurately, as as is so often the case as you. I don't need to tell you. Um, but that is amazing what you can do, even with a slim majority, even with a slim majority. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Incredible on that on that women in sports thing protection. That's it. I saw some terrible comments your colleague Eric Swalwell made about that. Just some of the way that this this discussion is taking place is 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 frankly eerie. It's frankly odd to me. I'll I'll put it to you. um, If I can, I was talking to the former sports reporter Michelle Tafoya the other day on the air about this. It is an amazing reversal of support for women's rights, Title IX, and equality to not support that kind of legislation, isn't it? 
Well, yeah, not one single Democrat voted for our bill that would, you know, protect women and girls sports from having them having males compete with them. And there was some, you know, at the press conference we had, um, not only did uh, women Republican Congress members speak, including me, but we had several um, NCAA uh, sports athletes yeah. there, you know, women sports yeah. athletes, yeah. and yeah. they told their story. Yeah. They told their story how they had worked very hard throughout, you know, since they were a kid and were trying to get scholarships. And then all of a sudden, you know, a guy starts competing yep. Yep. that was competing in the male sports version and yep. didn't make it. So right. now they're competing in the women's sports and they didn't get their scholarship. This is this the story is of, yeah, no, it's the story of Riley Gaines and so many others. Uh, the point Michelle Tafoya was making is some of these young girls or some of these now, you know, more adult girls, but starting from a young age, they practice their whole life for about what might even be in a 90 second competition only to have it ruined by this nonsense. Uh, Debbie, I have to take a quick commercial break. This was a short segment. Can you stay and do a slightly longer one and we can talk about the coronavirus hearing that you were uh, so key to the other day? Yeah, do you have time? I, w- I, I would love to. Love love to have you. Thank you, Debbie. I'm Seth Liebson. She's Congresswoman Debbie Lesko. You can follow her on Twitter at Rep D Lesko, L-E-S-K-O. We'll be right back. Well, she brings the fire. Congresswoman Debbie Lesko, representing Arizona's 8th Congressional District. Kevin McCarthy put her on the select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic to finally try and get some answers to uh, a lot of fog, a lot of cloud and a lot of lies that even already this committee is uh, exposing. Debbie, thanks for staying with us and thanks for your service on that committee. You had a great hearing. um, I think it was this week, if I'm not mistaken, from what I read. Uh, and, uh, uh, where you were asking a lot of important questions about conflicts of interest, intelligence on China's role in the pandemic. What is it you would like the American people to know that you folks have learned from your presence and from your sitting and learning on the COVID Select Subcommittee on uh, Coronavirus? Well, I'd like uh, Americans to know that it's more likely than not that the coronavirus uh, was leaked from the Wuhan lab in Wuhan, China, and that our U.S. taxpayer dollars um, went to a U.S. company called EcoHealth, which then gave a sub-grant money and funneled money over to the Wuhan lab to do virus um, research, and that according to a number of the witnesses that have been in front of our committee, um, they believe that that was gain-of-function research, which enhances the pathogen. Um, so what's really shocking is that the U.S. government uh, seems to have funded uh, this research, which then leaked out, caused um, this pandemic that killed over a million Americans, um, it made hundreds of millions um, sick, and some with long-term COVID, and that our own government, it appears, some of the officials in our own government were trying to uh, um, dispel the theory that it came from the lab, including Dr. Fauci and others, 
um, and seemingly because they didn't want to be embarrassed or didn't want people to know that the U.S. was funding this research and they were responsible for the funding. And they ran to their typical go-to whenever that theory uh, of uh, that theory was was floated, didn't they? They said, "Well, it's just racist to say that. Uh, it's uh, it's racist or bigoted towards Asian Americans or Chinese Americans or Chinese or China generally." To say that, and even um, even the director of the FBI, if I saw his testimony right about two months ago, uh, Chris Ray was saying this is the likely scenario. It came from the lab, this not the This is the, the likely markets. scenario, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, this week, uh, you're right. We had testimony, um, including from the former director of national intelligence, mm-hmm. John Ratcliffe, oh, right. Right. who who said that he said, "I believe that a great majority of CIA officials." support that it is a lab leak, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but they haven't released their assessment yet. He also testified and said, quote, that that the lab leak theory is the only explanation credibly supported by our intelligence, by science, and by common sense. Yeah. Um, And then we have found out uh, through the former uh, CDC director uh, that He had told Dr. Fauci early on that he believed it was a lab leak, that Dr. Fauci cut him out of conference calls uh, with other scientists on this issue, and that Dr. Uh, Fauci misled the public. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes, I saw that. That was was that Robert Redfield? I think it was. Yes, it was Robert Redfield, the former CDC former CDC director. And then next week, this is going to be a big hearing on Wednesday. We're going to have Randy Weingartner, who's the uh, teacher union person, come and testify in front of our committee. Because as we found out on all of these school closures, instead of listening to science and the CDC's own report that said that children's likeliness of getting seriously ill from COVID was low and that their transmission rate to adults was low, that instead of listening to their own CDC, they listened to the teachers' union and Closed down schools. I remember yeah, that. I remember yeah. reading about that at the time that Weingarten and her team were helping write, if I'm not mistaken, write yes. the, the uh, policy yes. and procedures for school reopenings. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yep. The CDC reached because out to them the through Biden, yeah. and um, they actually helped write this policy. Yeah. And so instead of listening to their own scientists yeah. in the CDC, and you had countries, we had testimony how countries like Sweden never shut down their right. schools. That's they right. didn't require their kids to be masked. They didn't require social um, distancing and zero children died That's from right. COVID. That's right. That's right. Uh, There was also I saw some news this week, too, and I wasn't sure if it was your committee or elsewhere. Forgive me um, my not remembering off the top of my head where the current uh, head, Rochelle Walensky, was kind of revising the history as well about what the vaccines could do and what they were saying about the vaccines, if I'm not mistaken. Was that in front of your committee? That was not in front of our committee, so I'm not, I I don't know exactly what she did, but I I tell you what, I've talked to constituents and other people that have had very 
adverse sure. reactions yeah. to the vaccine, including parents that have told me yeah. that their young um, male adult children died. Mm-hmm. And so we need to get to the bottom yeah. of what was done wrong, what was done right, because another pandemic will happen, especially if we're fooling around with this gain-of-function research, which enhances viruses, which I seriously think we should defund that and and not use any taxpayer dollars for that type of research, especially in China, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, there was some really very strange things that happened in China in September of 2019 in that Wuhan lab, they changed over the control of that lab from civilian control to military control. They also changed the whole ventilation system in the Wuhan lab. They also deleted the genome sequence of the virus from their database, asked the NIH to delete the, the sequence which NIH did for whatever reason, craziness. And there were uh, Chinese research scientists at the Wuhan lab that got sick. So all of this leads to, you know, to it probably leaked from the lab. China lied to us. They covered up information. They lied to the WHO. Um, You know, if China would have told us early on that these researchers were sick and were straight with us, we could have prevented a we lot could have of done this so pandemic. much more. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But no, instead no. millions yep. of people died and millions hundreds of millions got sick. Not the first time China would be in the Communist uh, Party of Communist uh, Party of China would be responsible for millions of deaths. Debbie Lesko, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being with us. I so appreciate you, as do your very fortunate constituents who have you as their congresswoman. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. Thank you, Seth. You betcha. We'll talk soon, I hope. If you're on hold, don't go away. We'll get right to you, I promise, right after this quick commercial break. Folks, with all the problems in the economy, all the vagaries, bank failures, stock market volatility, possible recession, our friends at Y-Refi are offering you an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% fixed interest rate. Why Refi is locally based. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there many times. I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with that team, you'll see why I trust and like them so much. As I say, Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm. And you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y R E F Y dot com, or call them at eight 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 Y Refi thirty four eight 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 Y Refi thirty four. Matt's in Phoenix. Hello, Matt. Hey, sir. I just had a I don't know. Uh, kind of set me off, Daniel, talking about uh, his use and that he'd jump in a car after he's he'd used pot. Yeah. I just want to know these people that think they can get away with it. 
do they want their pilot token up just before he he gets in the airplane? Their doctors, or their pilots, yeah, bus, right. bus driver, bus any, drivers, anything like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yep. that person driving his daughter who was with him in the car when he called. Yeah, if you look at the, uh, it's a fair point, uh, Matt. If you look at the Arizona Department of Transportation's uh, crash fatality report, which they issue on a regular basis, you will see that uh, marijuana was uh, responsible for 28 fatal crashes in Arizona this past year, more than uh, from illness or physical impairment, more from those who fell asleep or were fatigued. This is um, the point you're driving at is something that I think people need to understand and grasp a little bit better, Matt, and it's this. Um, Marijuana is um, not dangerous because it's illegal at the federal level. It's illegal at the federal level because it's dangerous. People seem to have that confused. What gets me is these people seem to think, oh, it's so good, it's so good. Yet, how come over the years these people have to keep slipping it into brownies and edibles and all that, and they think it's fun by passing it off to someone? It's just, it's, 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 that's the normal response, Matt. I wish more people had it. Thank you for it. I appreciate your call. I appreciate your comments. Yeah, I don't want to be on the road with someone who's doing it. You betcha. That's why uh, our friends over at, um, AALM just put out a statement, the morbid celebration of 420. The number of attempted suicides by cannabis cannabis users risen by 17% per year across the United States. Teen cannabis abuse increasing by 245% over the last 20 years. 19% of Americans 12 and older using cannabis. Nearly 6% of teens and adults qualifying as having a cannabis addiction. Tens of thousands of Americans poisoned by marijuana. A 1,375% increase in pediatric marijuana edible exposure and thousands of black market marijuana farms destroying national forests. If you like the environment, you shouldn't like this either. There's nothing good about this thing. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 